Dunkin's new wake-up go-tos mean you never have to choose between breakfast meats again. Now you can get a wake-up wrap with bacon and a wake-up wrap with sausage for $3. That's savory and sweet, crispy and spicy. It's everything you love about breakfast for $3. Wake up your day with new wake-up go-tos. Get two egg and cheese wraps for $2 or mix and match your favorite meats with two bacon, ham, sausage, or turkey sausage wraps for $3. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360-degree sound. Not just here or here, but everywhere. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. For listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, listeners. Hope you all had a happy Christmas. I know I did. Great Boxing Day. And welcome, I mean, if Steven stops interrupting me, to Uncle <laughs> Sam's Soccer Podcast. Wow, was that the most long intro? I mean, did you have to take a breath in between every word? Yeah, man, it's my first time doing this. Like, I'm not in shape for this like you, you know? Like, I gotta train, I gotta practice. I, gotta practice. I ain't like you. Yeah, well, I, I anyway. hope, we hope We hoped y'all liked the Eric Stover interview that we did. I, we for sure loved it. Yeah, it was absolutely, and we got another fantastic episode. Another um, one, yes. Um, Armand, I I hope your Christmas went well. I know mine did. It's Boxing Day. Sit around on the couch, box things up while watching the Premier League. Nothing gets better. But you might as well, you know, put the game on halftime on mute, or if you you know cleaning up, put it on mute. Turn on Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast because it's about save the crew today. We haven't talked about them in a while. No, we haven't, and. They were a massive story leading up to the MLS playoffs, and man, how awkward would it have been if Don Garber was handing that trophy well, it's like, to Anthony Precourt in Columbus? That would have been hilarious. Come well, on. No, but it's like uh, when uh, Goodell handed over the Lombardi trophy to the Patriots last year. God, the booze. I mean, but imagine that at Foxborough. Yeah, I mean, the booze would be even more. I mean, that that's the thing is, you know, neutral side of Houston versus Foxborough, the commissioner. But, yeah, I mean, Garber, dude, he would have been booed off the stage. No chance. Well, they hate Garber right now. Oh, absolutely. They hate Garber, the burning passion. I mean, there's been a lot of suspect things going wrong with the uh, Save, Save the Save the Crew uh, movement. It does feel like a lot of words are being flip-flopped from the Austin Clause that no one knew about until, like, a couple months ago to – just a sudden announcement of them looking to move while in the midst of a playoff run. There's been a lot of interesting stuff, and uh, today we're actually going to talk to one of the uh, big guys in the uh, Save the Crew movement. Yeah, and uh, we're going to get to him here in a moment, but I want to quickly recap what the Columbus crew has done for the league. They've won one MLS Cup in 08. They lost. Uh, they've been to another, lost that in 15 against Portland. They are three-time Supporter Shield champs. They did the double in 08, 04, and 09 were the other two. U.S. Open Cup champs in 02. 
And then in 1999, they opened the first soccer-specific stadium. Huge for the league. Massive. And um, But then drops the bombshell. October 17th, 2017. Precourt announced intentions to relocate the franchise to Austin, Texas. If a downtown stadium could not be secured in Columbus. And then from that, we opened hashtag Save the Crew. I mean, it was a huge revolt. Massive it's, revolt. It, 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 it's, it's really interesting to, to see what happens from this uh, fr- from this movement. Will, will the crew stay in Columbus or will they end up moving to Austin? And that, that, that's the important question surrounding uh, MLS because MLS hasn't done what the big boy leagues have done. And, you know, you know, with the Los Angeles team, the teams moving to Los Angeles and the NFL, NBA, we saw the Supersonics move to uh, o- Oklahoma City. We've seen teams move left and right in other leagues, but MLS, we've only seen one. And the fact of the matter is, when the earthquakes moved to Houston, they got their team back within like six, seven months. Yeah. It wasn't like they were gone forever. If Columbus is gone, they're gone forever from MLS. Unless the pyramid opens and a Columbus team makes uh, comes up through the NASL. So this is really important. This is actually really important if you think about it in the grand scheme of things because of the way MLS is currently structured. Yeah, and, and here's the other note I think a lot of people forget. And it's a little astonishing to, to realize – so Commissioner Garber was addressing, um, I guess, the national media in his State of the League conference. And he was going back to 08 when when the league was struggling. I mean, remember, 08 was it's borderline 10 years ago, right? Huge difference in the structure, how many teams, stadiums, the perception. It was, it, it was, it was kind of a joke still then compared to way, you know, Absolutely a joke compared to today. Uh, today, but back then, across the world, MLS was a joke. Today, I think it has a lot more respect. But MLS wanted to get rid of the multi ownership uh, of teams. They didn't. They just wanted one ownership per team, and they're trying to get rid of that. Well, the Columbus Crew were on the market, and in fact, they did not find an owner for quite some time. Because of the low value, because it was Columbus, because of the league, they were borderline thinking they would fold the team. And to be honest with you, that is a reality that a lot of teams have faced. Yes, uh, I, I'm sure I've mentioned it many times on the show. FC Dallas was on the verge of potentially folding in 2002. There, there are many teams that have had this fate. The thing with Columbus is a lot of people dispute the dispute what Don Garber has been saying. Talking about the local ownership and and the the issues around buying clubs, so who we, it's it's a question of who do we believe? Do we believe to say the crew or do we believe Don Garber? And it's it's such an interesting dynamic because there's been lots of interesting stuff coming out with the with, with the Save the Crew movement. They've discovered lots of things, and I'm really I'm really interested to see what's going to end up happening with with the crew because. If they do end up leaving, what's that going to stop another uh, potential owner coming in, purchasing a team, and yeah. relocating them instead of going through expansion? That's the main argument that I think a lot of people – I mean, think about it. Anthony Precourt paid $68 million. 
compared to the 150 you have to pay to get into MLS, which was Nashville paid, and now yeah. moving, and now is moving his team. Why can't someone do that and say, hey, look, I'll move my team to Detroit. Let's buy you and move. Well, here's the silver lining. In when Precourt bought the club, he actually saved the crew. And now look what he's doing. Silver lining. Anyway, let's let's get to our guest <laughs> here. Morgan Hughes, he is born and raised in Columbus. He's been following the crew ever since they've joined the league. Um, but he's, more importantly, he is one of the, I guess, he's the front of the camera guy. He's the microphone guy. That's what he emailed me for. Save the crew. <laughs> he's the community <laughs> advocacy group. Uh, he's also got various roles behind the scenes morgan you can follow him at morgan underscore hughes how are you doing this morning i'm doing well guys thanks for having me glad to be here ah well we appreciate your time but let's let's get to um kind of your background let's talk about what's the crew how how did you get into it is it an accessible team were you able to follow it easily is the community presence there in the early days with the league and say you know, before 2010? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm, as you mentioned, I was born in Columbus. I was raised in Columbus. I live in Columbus. I'll probably die in Columbus. Um, (laughs) and you know, as, as is the case with most, uh, you know, teenagers, uh, sports was my entire life. And, uh, you know, any team that was in Columbus, uh, I was a fan of that team whether it was uh, the Columbus Chill, the Buckeyes, mm. uh, you know, the Horizon, any of the early 90s teams, uh, that was my thing. And when the crew announced that, you know, they were going to be a soccer team in Columbus in 1994, it was, uh, I was on board just, you know, because they're a, uh, they were going to be a team in Columbus, Ohio, and, and those are the things that I was all about. Um, so yeah, it, you know, I wasn't necessarily a soccer guy as a 13 year old. Um, but you know, I'm not sure at that time in, in American soccer fandom, there were a lot of, uh, soccer people, um, certainly not as many as there are today. Uh, but over the years, um, you know, it's, it's just become a part of our community and, uh, and you know, to see somebody try to tear that away from us is just completely and totally unacceptable. So uh, that's kind of how I got into the crew, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, there's the backstory on that. So between Columbus and the crew, what is what is the connection? Because, I mean, we've seen uh, the, the commissioner and the and, uh, owner, Anthony Precourt, claim that there's been no business help or whatnot, but what is the true connection between the city and the crew? Well, um, you know, Columbus is a very important, uh, and, 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 you know, I'm not naive enough to, to think that, <laughs> listen, I know that I'm, I'm, uh, a, a, not really objective completely when, when it comes to Columbus soccer, yeah, because sure, sure, I'm sure. just in, in the middle of it. But, um, you know, Columbus is a very important city to the game of soccer in America and, and for a, for a country that doesn't necessarily have a super long history with the game, certainly not in comparison to a lot of the superpowers around the world in soccer, uh, you know, you have to really protect what history and what, uh, you know, what, you know, history you have with the game of soccer in America. And Columbus was, you know, not just the first team in Major League Soccer, but, 
you know, the, it's the spiritual home of both national teams. Uh, there, you know, was an era, and if, you know, people are not old enough to remember this, I certainly don't fault them for it, but there was an era in American soccer where, you know, we played Mexico at the Rose Bowl, uh, mm-hmm. and we couldn't find a home field advantage because it, it just literally didn't exist. And Columbus was that city where that home feeling started. Uh, you know, all of the doceros and yeah. and all of the you know friendlies and the Women's World Cup, and this is where the United States Soccer Federation comes when they need a win. Um, and that's be it's not because of the stadium, and it's not because of the field. It's because of the feeling that the supporters in this community give that event. And, uh, and it was just announced today that, you know, the she believes cup is coming back to Columbus. So for a city that apparently, according to Don Garber and Anthony Precourt doesn't care about soccer, uh, you know, it would seem that the United States soccer federation disagrees with that. So, I mean, a lot of, I don't want to do too much jumping around here, but I'll, you bring up an interesting point with the connection with the national team. And, Michael Bradley, after the Toronto series in the first leg, he came out and kind of criticized, you know, the structure. And he he's part of the national team, so he's played there multiple times, and he understands, I guess, a little bit better. But it's the first time that we've heard a player outside of Columbus really come out and kind of, I don't know, stoke the fire and kind of, you know, give pre-courts another reason to leave. Like, look, I mean... This guy, you know, it's kind of, you know, Michael Bradley, one of the faces of MLS and U.S. soccer. What, what, when he said that, how did you feel? Uh, I, you know, I think that Michael Bradley probably would be best served if he took a, a class in anger management. Um, <laughs> he certainly has a short memory if he thinks that the narrative put out there by you know, the people who pay his paycheck every week is in any way factual. Uh, you know, listen, we booed him every single time he touched the ball yeah. in the uh, first leg of the Eastern Conference Finals this year. And, uh, you know, it, it, and I don't know why, you know, every single person in a sea of 20,000 booed him. But, you know, you're playing for Toronto and you're playing in Columbus. People are not going to be excited about you in that scenario <laughs> uh and and for him to lash out was was kind of sad i i wasn't angry i, I just kind of pitied him because you know it to me it shows a guy that doesn't get the situation very well he just doesn't understand it he thinks that if he thought he was at moffrey stadium with the national team jersey on um then you know we may need to check his mental health a little bit but um, it, you know, that was just a guy lashing out and, uh, it, it just, you know, maybe he proved a little bit that we were kind of right to boo him. And, uh, you know, I, I can't speak for him and I can't speak for everybody else, but I found his comments to be confusing and sad mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm not with him. I just kind of pity him. So let's go back to when, let's go back to October 17th, 2017, when they, when it comes out that Columbus is looking into potentially moving to Austin. Me, I know Steven was shocked too. We were both actually just absolutely shocked. This news came out of nowhere. Flabbergasted. Did you guys did you guys ever 
sense that the crew are going to move, especially to a city like Austin? Uh, you know, hindsight is certainly twenty twenty, and uh, you know, especially in those first few days after the announcement, there was a lot of um, you know looking back and going, "What signs did we miss?" or uh, you know, people that may have called his uh, legitimacy into question from the start, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know, they were probably called conspiracy theorists on some level. Uh, and, you know, it turns out that they were right. Uh, but, you know, I, there's been an in-joke in our, uh, in our fan fandom for a long time. If, if you're familiar with the, the term massive, it's kind of something that we mm-hmm. use to refer to ourselves. And it, and it, and it began because, you know, we, we know that we're not the biggest market in the country. You know, we're, you know, we're only the 14th biggest city in the country and, and, you know, media markets were, you know, we're on the low end in the league. So we kind of are self-effacing a little bit and that's where massive started from. Um, so, you know, there was a joke a long time ago that, you know, anytime something bad happened, there was that the crew were going to move to Vegas and, uh, you know, we kind of made fun of ourselves by saying, oh, we don't have a stadium roof and, oh, there's no pedestrian bridge over the train tracks and blah, 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 blah. So the crew moving has been a tongue in cheek thing, you know, for us for a long time for a legitimate move. No, no one saw this coming. Um, I kind of got tipped off to its possibility about 40 minutes before Grant Wall broke that story on Twitter that night. And even then, I didn't believe it. I thought, there's no way. There, you know, there's no way. We're, we're the Columbus crew. You, there's, we're successful. This business is viable. Uh, we're the first, you know. How could they do this to us? So until I saw Grant Wall's tweet, I still didn't believe it. So I don't think anybody really saw, maybe if they saw it coming, they didn't see this specific scenario playing out. Well, let me ask you, what do you th- what was more shocking for the fan base? The fact that they're relo- the thought of relocation or the fact that it's relocating relocating to Austin, Texas, where it's kind of the same type of city. Uh you you get the it's there's no well, the Columbus is a little bit different, but you know, you both are small smaller in the sense that you guys don't have many professional teams. It's got more of that college feel with OSU being at you know in Columbus and UT being in Austin, what was more shocking? Well, you know the great comedy of this is uh, that I don't know that you could pick a more of a doppelganger city in America if you tried. Uh, Austin <laughs> and Columbus are very, very much you know a sim- sim- two similar places. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the Ohio State and the Texas University of Texas thing. That's that's just those are the two biggest universities on on the planet. And, the you know, the football team for those universities completely and totally dominates the local sports landscape. Um, So, you know, if he thinks that he has, you know, issues competing with Ohio State and Columbus, my God, what are you doing going to Austin? You idiot. (laughs) But, you know, they're all we're also two extremely fast growing cities and you know we're two of the you know quote-unquote millennial hipster meccas and you know they're you know we're two cities with a huge craft brewing scene and everything you know that is austin is also columbus and um so yeah it was i was kind of 
shocked when it was Austin, but you know, nothing, you know, it, I, I decided early in this, this movement in this scenario, in this situation that I was going to stop looking for logic in logicless scenarios. Uh, because you could, you could kill yourself doing that, man. You could stay up all night going, what, you know, what does it all mean? And, you know, have the X-Files theme song on repeat in the background and, uh, <laughs> you know, it was it shocking. Yeah. But, um, I, I tried to not try to find logic and logicless scenarios. Well, let me ask you this. The city of Columbus, you have the Blue Jackets, NHL. You have obviously the the college team, OSU, and then you have the crew. And, you know, where's the crew's importance in that city? Because pre-court kind of said, okay, the stadium's not good, quote-unquote, I guess, bad fans, bad market. To those reasons for leaving, what? how are you coming back towards that? What is your counter-argument? Well, I would encourage Anthony Precourt to not confuse his mistakes with hardships. Uh, those are two completely different things. Uh, you know, remember when 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 Moffrey Stadium was built, it, it, there was no other professional soccer stadium. So, mm-hmm. you know, to 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 compare that place to Orlando's new stadium or you know yeah. Sacramento or, or Sportings or anything anything that's been built since 1999 is an exercise in futility and and it's it's irrelevant. Uh, you know, because everything that's been built since that stadium went up, our tiny demon fortress, our little erector set, you know, it, it has had the good fortune of looking at all of the things that now, in hindsight, may have been done a little bit better and building accordingly. Um, you know, to your question of, you know, how relevant is the crew here? Uh, I'm not going to pretend that it's in any way, shape, or form as massive as Ohio State football because literally nothing in the country is. You know, this is a team that gets over 100,000 people for a practice. That's lunacy. Um, and I I am one of the most diehard Ohio State fans in the world, and I somehow managed to care about two things at once. You know, <laughs> as adults, we can do that. You know, yeah. you love your wife, love your uh, you know, your kids, you you can love more than one thing. That's Absolutely. just how our brain. Uh, but, you know, he, if he if he had been trying uh, to build a new stadium somewhere in Columbus and was just getting pushback from, you know, everywhere and everything, then I, I might be able to say, well, I kind of understand it. But he wasn't. He didn't try. Uh, and and. He straight up lied about, you know, caring about the city and, and wanting to keep the team here. It, you know, it, it, it's it's sad. And, um, you know, he really has done a number on his legacy. And this is a you know, this is one of those scenarios where you can say to someone uh, just because you own something doesn't mean it's yours. Um, you know, the Columbus crew, any soccer team is not a car. You know, it's not a brick and mortar shop. It's a community asset. And you can say, oh, well, that's a pretty, you know, (laughs) you sound smarmy when you say that. But I'm just using his words. When he took over the team, he said, I look at the Columbus crew as a valued community asset. You know, so I'm just using his words to, to illuminate to everybody 
how disastrous this has been. Um, the city of Columbus loves the Columbus crew. And, you know, we're the foundation of this league. So when you see 40,000 people at a Sounders game and 70,000 people at, at an Atlanta United game, that they wouldn't be able to be there if it weren't for the 1.0 teams. Um, it's very it, true. I always... I always think of this kind of league as a building that's growing. And every time you turn around, you go, man, it, I could have sworn it wasn't that big five minutes ago. And it's true. And, you know, it's like if you were building an addition onto that building and you go, hey, we need a new penthouse. Why don't we just, like, cut out the foundation? Uh, there's plenty of material down there. Your building's going to fall. Your organization is only as strong as the structure upon which it was built. And to tear away the first soccer team in the league, the charter member, from their community, it, it speaks to how little you value that third star on your crest that we were told was, you know, representative of community in the four club, four country, four community marketing slogan. So they're full of shit and uh, they're showing that, that if they – you know, that they want to do this whenever they want, and we're not going to let it happen. You did mention um, uh, that you didn't think Columbus or the, the crew were as relevant as like in Ohio State, which is obviously really – it's really hard for any MLS team to compete with a uh, college football powerhouse or whatnot. And it did strike me as kind of the same issues that go on uh, here in Dallas – where you talk about being a, a being a fifth wheel and kind of not, not being relevant in in the market and did did Precourt and the crew make an effort to to grow and market the club well because in Dallas we don't see marketing at all we we and it shows on television you see mm -hmm. that the the crowds are the crowds are sparse and the only way you really know I mean you saw actually last night if uh and if you guys saw the Frisco Bowl, uh, there was a there were some comments uh, going on through Twitter saying, "Oh, I used to play high school football there. Oh, I used to watch high school football there. Oh yeah, a professional soccer team plays there. It's the FC Dallas, and it seems like the team is not relevant even in the place of where it is. Is is are the are the crew like kind of like that marketing wise that they're not marketed well at all? There are arguments to be made." That would that would <clears throat> excuse me that would that would prove that you know point as valid. Um, if you, you know if you go to crewnotdoneyet.com, it kind of there's a timeline there and it details a lot of uh, the answers to your question that that and and it does so more eloquently than I can do mm. right now. But um, you know we we kind of bottomed out a little bit in 2011. Uh, we had just come off of. Uh, 07, 08, 09, and 2010 as, you know, these peak years where we won a cup, we won two supporter trophies, supporter shields. Uh, you know, there were club legends on that team, you know, that will never die in the hearts of uh, crew fans. And it was kind of, we were starting over. And in 2011, we kind of bottomed out attendance-wise, and we built ourselves back up. And every year since that year, through 2016, we were leading the league in year-over-year uh, -year attendance growth and uh, you know year-over-year -year organic attendance growth, which is 
I would argue, way more important because, you know, attendance growth, when you look at somebody like San Jose, mm-hmm. uh, when they play at Buckshaw, you know, that mm-hmm. stadium capacity is what, like 9,000? Yeah. Uh, so when they move to Avaya and it's the first year there and they go from 9 to, to 19, oh, my God, they lead the league in attendance growth. But but that's, you know, how mm-hmm. artificial is that? Sure. Uh when when you're talking about going from a high school football stadium to, you know, the newest soccer stadium in the league, of course you're going to, you know, enjoy some significant attendance growth. When you do it at a place that was built with Lincoln Logs in, you know, 1999, <laughs> and, and you do that, you know, you know, 20 years later, and you sustain it from a five-year perspective or a 10-year perspective – it's meaningful. It's it's a sign of good health. Uh, you know, I I always like to remind people that that growing can be disastrous to an organization. You need to grow in a in a responsible way, and doing it at seven hundred billion percent. How sustainable is that? You don't have the infrastructure there as an organization to deal with it or to sustain it when you do it responsibly and when you do it in a market that has been proven as as a top consumer of that product you know that is something that you put on page one over your yearly report uh and so for so for them to 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 talk about how we're not invested how the you know the city doesn't care it's 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 a lie and there are a lot of things that have been done this past year to inflate their shady business metrics. And we've exposed all of them. Again, if you go to crewnotdoneyet.com, there's a lot of it there. And, and it'll blow your brain apart to see how we've been played by this ownership group and by this league after having been the foundation for 23 years. It's, it's really disgraceful. Well, let me ask you a question about the overall uh, – perspective from the league because this is something Armand and I have discussed quite a bit on the show and early, when we began this uh, podcast we talked about the advantage and disadvantage from the expansion club say probably from 08 on to the original clubs and on the field it kind of favored more of the original clubs because they had more of the structure but off the field when it came to marketing it was all the expansion clubs do you feel the, the same way in looking at the league where the Columbus crew are kind of lumped in with Colorado, New England, Dallas, uh, as far as marketing-wise, where they, they kind of have a, a struggle because they've been there and the community feel is kind of like... They're not know. a shiny new toy. Yeah. Boom. You guys just said it. I mean, that's, that's, that is indicative of the not-talked-about disease within MLS. And that is, you know, they don't know how to sell anything that's not new. Uh, it's, it really should be worry, worrisome to them. Um, what you see happening with the 1.0 teams, aside from the Wizards, uh, it's, it's really, it should be, it should be setting off alarm bells in their head. And if it is, and if their response to that is to to move them all, you know, this league, this league has a shelf life. That's, that's not long. Um, you know, you, they, they need to figure out their 1.0 issue, uh, and they need to 
they need to spend as much time and consideration and money doing so that they spend on their 6.0 teams because, you know, a, an unhealthy FC Dallas is bad. An unhealthy Rapids is bad. You know, the the Revs playing in an NFL stadium with an artificially set uh, attendance capacity is bad. Um, moving the Columbus crew is horrid. It's horrid. It's disgusting. It's deceitful. And, you know, it sets not just that. It Most importantly, it sets a precedent going forward. If we allow this as American soccer fans, if we allow this to happen, we are saying very clearly and very concisely to the Don Garbers of the world, both present and future, that they can do whatever they want, whenever they want, to whomever they want. They talk so much about building communities into one microphone and then they turn to another microphone and and detail the destruction of another you can't do that and hope to be around in 50 years it's just not possible and it's disgraceful it it's 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 so i think it's honestly really bizarre of just just it, let's just let's just think about this for a quick second Yesterday, they announced that they're adding Nashville as an expansion side. And here we are talking about how they want to move an original side. I just, it, 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 to me, it just, it just it doesn't seem right. It didn't seem right that pre court announced that they wanted to leave in, uh, but right before a, a playoff run. That didn't seem right. And overall, I mean, it's, it has been an in- interesting timeline when it comes to, how MLS has handled the situation. Um, so let's let's talk about um, the other expansion, the other potential expansion side, who's about a hundred miles away from you, FC Cincinnati. If they are awarded an expansion uh, uh, franchise, do you think that negatively impacts the chances of the crew staying in Columbus? Well, only uh, only Lord Garber. Uh, <laughs> I can answer that, but um, I will say that I've been rooting for FC Cincinnati to be in MLS since the millisecond they were announced. Because if you think about Columbus from a from just kind of like a, a an on the field perspective, uh, we've never had a real rival. We've never had one. Uh, the early days, we were kind of annihilated by DC United you know, in their first um, dynasty, anytime we went up against them. Um, And so, you know, the old idiots in our fandom like myself hate DC United. And we've had, you know, our back and forth with Chicago because of the, you know, the proximity and the league invented some trophy with Toronto that literally no one cares about. Um, But we've never had the closest team to us is is over five hours away. And you know, we're like, oh, hey, you know, we're playing in Chicago, you know, hell yeah, it's only five and a half hours away. Like, that's <laughs> um, so Cincinnati being in the league would, you know, look at it like this, right? If you're starting a hat store, if you're going to open a hat store, the best place to do so is next door to another hat store. It, it you know, why not make it a hat store district instead of going, well, I'm going to build my hat store 700 miles away because I don't want to compete with them. Well, you know, it's one of those 
a rising tide lifts all boats kind of things. Cincinnati and Columbus being in the league at the same time would ought, would immediately be one of the top rivalries in the league. We played in the Open Cup this year uh, yep. at, at their small college football stadium known as Nippert, um, and uh, it was a great time. It was a great time. Uh, I, I can't I can't wait for both teams to be in MLS at the same time. Um, so we've never had a real rival, and we and yet we're still here. We've never had local ownership, and yet we're still here. We've never had a downtown stadium, and yet we're still here. Those are the three things that MLS tells us are very important: rivalries, local ownership, and urban core stadiums, uh, which we've literally never had any of. And yet here we are, twenty-three years later, a strong, viable product and you know it just destroys one of their narratives so i'm excited for cincinnati to get in and i i look forward to playing three times a year in the regular season in major league soccer and yeah that that, that would be a, that'd be an awesome while where you saw the open cup and we thought we thought it was a fantastic affair but i think one of the most interesting things that went down was in don garber's state of the league address i would say an overwhelming majority of the questions revolved around Save the crew. It, there was questions being asked of the crew, and I think at one point it, it it even made Garber uncomfortable. Has the media, the national media, done a good job of explaining what exactly is going on, or do you have some sort of issue with anything they've said? Um, uh, you know, first of all, I hope Don Garber felt uncomfortable. He should feel uncomfortable. Uh, he's being deceitful and uh he's a disgrace frankly uh for him to get up and and go you know listen we got this really nice fairground stadium in nashville everything's going to be a huge success and you know that's minutes (laughs) after he goes we can't stay in columbus they have that shitty fairground stadium this is going to be a disaster believe me you know it's just you know (laughs) you hypocrite you know you realize that you're being right you idiot um but uh you know here's the thing they you know they need to prove that that their their revenue stream is not completely dictated by expansion fees and uh you know i know that their that their you know income is is diverse because of soccer united marketing and and, you know, the money they're paid by the United States Soccer Federation. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I don't think that they're, you know, in any danger of losing their ass. Uh, but, you know, at some point you do need to prove that you're sustainable or your bubble will burst. And frankly, I've completely forgotten the first question you asked me anyway. I tend to get very ranty, so I apologize. For that. <laughs> That's fine. Well, I, I do I'm going to ask you this. Just curious because we don't know what the future is going to hold. Obviously, you you might have a better inkling, and we're, we're, I'm going to ask you that too. But I'll be part B. But part A is kind of the question of: Do you, in your charter, in your mission statement, you you guys write, we want to keep our soccer team in Columbus along with the club history and to be conventionally known as the Columbus Crew, ideally as part of the MLS. If Precourt moves the club. Which I know is I don't know what what the percentages are. Would you guys try to get a USL team right after that, or is is there has there been thoughts on planning ahead without the MLS 
team there and trying to fill some sort of vo- that soccer void with something? That's a very good question. It is absolutely without without doubt the question I've been asked the most. Um, and to that, I always say I'm not naive enough to think that that you know that's not going to be something that people are wondering. Um, and I'm going to give you a colloquialism that is probably not believable, but I promise you that it's exactly how I feel. Uh, any energy and time that I spend thinking about something like that would be a waste because there, there are three words in our hashtag and it's save the crew. Mm -hmm. There's nothing after it's not save the crew and possibly a USL team, if nothing works out, it's not save the crew and let Anthony Precourt take the players, but we keep the history. It's it's save the crew. We're saving this team, uh, and and we're not thinking about anything else. And and uh, <laughs> I know it's uh, <laughs> maybe it's frustrating to hear that because you know you do want to know what sure. what's going to happen afterwards. But I but I swear it's literally all I'm thinking about. It's all our entire grassroots organization is thinking about is saving this team and and we've given no thought no thought and no discussion whatsoever to anything beyond that i mean when the time comes i feel like that it'll, it'll be more appropriate to actually uh discuss uh potentially having a team in the usl and so right now you got focus on keeping the crew in the top flight in soccer but morgan what do you think the future holds for the crew? Um, with I mean, we 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 talked about. Are, you think they'll end up moving to Austin? I mean, I know you don't want to think that, and you want to you want to talk you want to keep the crew in Columbus. But what do you think is going to happen? Um. So uh, you know, there's the there there are two kind of answers that I could give here. You know, one is uh here's what I hope will happen, yeah. and here's what I think will happen. Um. Obviously, I hope with every fiber of my being that the Columbus crew are here until I'm dead and well beyond it. I hope my death isn't anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> and and here's what I think. I think that that the Columbus crew were the first team in Major League Soccer. I think that Crew Stadium is the foundation upon which not just MLS, but the United States national team is in many ways built upon. I think that we are a fan base that is used to doing things first. Um, And I don't see why we won't be the first fan base to save our team from being relocated. Uh, It's a tall task and um, it isn't easy, but nothing in Columbus has ever been easy and nothing this fan base has ever done has ever been simple. We have been preparing for this moment for 23 years and we are, we are in position to save this team. So I think we're going to, because there's no other option. And, and there are so many people who are so very talented and so very passionate in this community that are standing up and have stood up, uh, and said, you cannot do this. And we're going to stop them. The, the Columbus crew will be here. And and I hope we play a part in it. 
if we don't, that's fine. You know, if, if Anthony Precourt looks at it as a bad business move to move to Austin, and he says, you know what, I'm going to stay in Columbus, keep the team here, build a new stadium. It has nothing to do with save the crew. That's fine. I don't care. Just right. keep it here. If we had, if we have something to do with it, then, you know, that's exactly the same, you know, situation. Good. Mm-hmm. Glad. I'm glad. You know, I'm happy to, I'm happy that this team is still here and, uh, you know, we're going to get it done because there is no other option to us. No, I, I think it's interesting because there's the commercial where Alexi Lawless does for, I think, Continental Tires talking about how soccer is as much as the fans as anything. And uh, the only thing I equate soccer it, around the world, especially in England, Germany, Italy, is, is college football. Um, I'm here in Madison, Wisconsin, studying uh, journalism and whatnot, but you know the, the college game day atmosphere is insane, and it's it's the closest thing you get to anything soccer related. And I think for the first time, you do see the fans actually have more of an influence in a, an American sports franchise than any other league, unlike NFL, the NBA, or MLB. The, the soccer fans matter, especially to a growing league, and that's I think that's really interesting. And I think Precourt has this has a really difficult chance because i mean the moment that you know save the crew popped up that gained a ton of attention i mean it went national real quick mm-hmm. so but yeah I, um, i'll let you respond the, here. you know it's funny about that continental tire thing you mentioned that mm-hmm. uh they they sent out uh the 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 firm that's handling that sent out uh, feelers to every uh, mls fan base they kind of like did some research on twitter and and picked out, you know, one fan from every team. And uh, I think this is back in uh, July, maybe. And they identified me as somebody who's a vocal crew fan. So they sent me this thing like, oh, hey, we're doing this uh, campaign. Would you be able to write this, uh, you know, short essay that we would then narrate, take your, you know, words, have you narrate it, and we'll do this really cool uh, animation behind it. And I thought, I mean, Usually I say, no, I don't want to do anything like that because I, you know, I really, 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 really try to not make things about myself. Mm. Um, and, and I do that because, you know, the reality is I'm in charge of a lot of things in crew fandom. Uh, I have, you know, I'm just one of the people that are in charge, but, but I, I manage a lot of stuff and I, I don't want to make it about me. I want to, I want it to be about all of us and our team and, uh, but it, they had emailed me the day after we lost to FC Cincinnati, and uh, I was in a certain mood that kind of made me say, yeah, sure, I'll do that, because <laughs> I thought it would be a cool opportunity to tell the league our story. And uh, you know, so I submitted this thing, and they, they were like, wow, we love this. We're going to do this. Let's go. And I had this whole thing with them back and forth for like a month and a half where I wouldn't sign the contract that they sent to me because <laughs> it just was very vague. And it was like, you know, you're signing over your rights like forever for your likeness and everything else. And I'm like, hey, if you rewrite that contract to say, like, be specific about this project, I will gladly sign it. So they finally did. And uh, I signed it and everything. And, and, you know, at the last second, they were like, hey, we need pictures of you because we're going to animate it. And they sent me the proof that they'd done for new Eng- for a new england fan and it like zoomed in on this guy and it said like you know jacob thomas revolution super fan and i was like no absolutely not 
I, I'll be more than happy to do this project, but I do not want that done of myself. You know, I, you know, you feel free to mention my name, whatever, however you want to market it. But dude, I don't want that. And so they walked away and they, they said, yeah, you know what? You're, you're too much of a bother. We're going to find somebody else and whatever. And I didn't really think much of it until this whole save the crew thing started. Um, and you know, they ended up getting back in touch with me to do something else. And, you know, I was happy to do that. It was just kind of like this. It was like a small interview that they turned into a, you know, like a quick content thing. But, um, yeah, but, that, but that, that, that marketing campaign with Continental is, is true. And your question is good. Um, first of all, I'm sorry for your Wisconsin batters, uh, <laughs> but I just have annihilated them at every step of the way. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I, I'm sure you guys are very depressed, but keep faith. Someday, you know, we may have sanctions again. You guys can win a Big Ten championship. Um, there you go. Well, I mean, you guys but, didn't uh, even make the yeah. college playoffs, so I, I, honestly, the, who cares? <laughs> I mean, if you guys we did, we'd get an eye last year. So, you know, yeah. win-win. Um, the, uh, yeah, soccer fans are, are a different breed, and I'm not sure what makes us different than, you know, a bunch of NBA fans or a bunch of NHL fans. But, you know, it's like that saying, like, I don't know what it is, but that guy's got it. So, like, yeah, dude, we uh, we don't take things lying down. Uh, not to say another group would, but uh, we definitely do not. All right, Morgan, I just want to thank you again for joining us. It was a really insightful uh, discussion about the, about the crew and their impact on Columbus. We wanted to ask you uh, – for we're going to give you a shameless plug. So plug us where we can find all the Save the Crew stuff, your Twitter feed, all that good stuff. Sure. Go to um, savethecrew.com. There's a ton of good stuff there. I'll do it no service by trying to describe it. It's a great website. It's the, you know, it's the base of the resistance. So go there. Go to crewnotdoneyet.com. That is the timeline of deception for Major League Soccer. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Morgan underscore Hughes. Uh, you can follow Save the Crew on Twitter at save underscore the underscore crew. Um, and if you enjoy the sound of my voice, feel free to listen to Aces Radio, uh, which is our crew podcast that we do every week. Um, it's terrible and no one enjoys it. So save yourself a lot of misery by staying far away from Aces Radio. There you go. There you go. Well, we appreciate it, and um, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll definitely have to reach back out regardless. Um, yeah, whatever the decision is, we'll definitely get, hope to get a response from, from somebody at you know, Saving Group. Absolutely. Sounds great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. All right, Armand, that was fascinating. Definitely something that has opened my eyes to the hashtag Save the Crew it's it's an interesting dynamic because you have fans who really want the team, but you, you I think you can understand the owner's perspective if he thinks he can make more money in the in a in a different place. So I mean, it's 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 a it's a huge thing between soccer supporters game and the ownership and money that goes in to the U.S. soccer the U.S. sports industry as it is today. Well, I, I don't want to carry too long here. Because I want the listeners to enjoy their Boxing Day, I want them to enjoy the Premier League. Watch but I want to. I want you, the the fans, to sit there and 
question the marketing that MLS has done regarding the old markets. I want you to sit there and look at the Premier League, whoever you're watching, and see the fans fill the stadium. And ask yourself, have the clubs contributed and done enough to get as many fans to come in? Have they marketed them themselves? Have they done? Because we know what soccer is among the young people. You walk around, you see soccer jerseys all the time. Talking about soccer rumors, FIFA is fast and fun, you know. People love to talk about this stuff. But has MLS done enough to tap into that? Have they? And the question is, are the older clubs not celebrated like Man United? Like how they're older and prestigious? Why isn't DC United talked about like that? It's it's, it's interesting. Di- it's an and interesting Columbus Crew is the first, one of the first, if not the first. They have the first soccer-specific stadium. They should be pre-court should say be like, this is American soccer history. This is what Morgan told us. This city is American historic soccer city. Dosa Zero came from this city. There's so much, and there's so much potential in the city, but. If one guy thinks something, it's damn hard to change someone's mind. Yeah, and every soccer fan in America should be on alert, especially if you're an USL, MLS, NASL follower, thinking that you are safe from any... As long as there's no uh, promotion relegation, and again, we're not advocating, we're just saying, as long as there's no promotion relegation, it's kind of like the story of MK Dons and AFC Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. You saw Wimbledon come come back up, and now I think they're almost as, they're almost as good, if not better, than MK Dons. They're in possibly a new stadium. If there's no promotion relegation, we cannot see a team like Columbus restart back up. Or a, an or if Columbus stays, a team like Austin to work its way up the ranks into MLS. It's just it's just the truth of the matter. We yeah. live in a, as a closed system. It's just it's truth. It is. It is. Listeners, I want you to enjoy your holidays. Enjoy the warmth if you're in a warm area. Hey, t- hey tweet at us. What games you're watching? Yes. Tweet at us. Tell us. If you're watching Boxing Day, who you support, and uh, why not tell us why you support MLS? And yeah, why MLS? And here's the question that I want you to leave with, as I just alluded to: Has your MLS team marketed well? We know the good ones, but the poor ones. How bad Tweet is us. it? Who do Tweet. you think is the worst? Who's the best? Tweet. Take care. With Metro and the best deal in wireless, whatever your goal, however you hustle, you can rule your day. Get two lines with 5G access included for just $35 a month per line, period. With taxes and regulatory fees always included, so you know exactly how much you pay every month. All on America's largest 5G network at no extra charge. Plus, at Metro, get the latest 5G phones, like a Samsung Galaxy for less than 100 bucks when you switch. That's the best deal in wireless, so you can take control of your day wherever it takes you. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. Requires auto pay. First month is $40 per line for two lines. Samsung A51 requires port from eligible carrier and ID validation limited to two per account. Coverage not available in some areas. See Metro by T-Mobile.com or store for details. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. 
Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.